1: That's BlueNile.com.
2: For better or for worse, they are <sighs> they are. <laughs> the Justin Henry you've ordered has stopped working.
1: Hey, I'm ready. Uh, right foot back. <laughs> begins with a U.
2: Everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review as the other Cultaholic lads are digesting their dinner debonair. We are here via our Pro powered DeLorean with some microwave bollocks that we have to chow down on but who be we i be fake geordie radio presenter without portfolio former cultaholic heavyweight champion tom campbell i am with the bear in the big blue bar cage he is titan shrugged the head pen of cultaholic the man who has no requirement for a pencil he needs a pen because he gets it right every time he is justin henry and he is out of off of america
3: sadly no musicals on this show
2: I well, normally, we've, we've been musical in the past. We have Stromowitz every so often regaling us, but certainly no massive swing numbers, which is devastating.
3: No, Now now the bar's been raised for him.
2: I feel that we're in the good company today. I was nervous. If I was talking to anybody else, I'd be nervous about bringing up Dinner Debonair, the promo from the, the, oh, the segment from MJF and uh, Chris Jericho. But we're of a hive mind. It was brilliant, aren't we? <laughs>
3: It's too, It was two over-the-top douchebags being two over-the-top douchebags.
2: That's so the bit that I am baffled by. It's, it's like people message me saying, yeah, but it's cringy. I was like, but surely you know that's the point. Surely you know They're that's huge. part of the charm. Yeah.
3: They're assholes who think highly of themselves, and and I mean, that's the gist of it. They're assholes who think highly of themselves, and they pulled off a musical number whether you liked it or not. If, if, if you liked it, then you appreciated it. You know the the showmanship of it. If you didn't like it, well, they're assholes, and that's it. it goes with the territory of being Jericho and MJF. You're not meant to
2: like it. That's it. it just it <laughs> just baffled me a little bit as to how people were so lost on on that concept. But be that be that as it may, it, it reminds me of the time that um my I went for a pint. I might have said this, told this story on the podcast before. Is I went for a pint with um my friend Doctor Sam many moons ago, and. Mm. He wanted to try bitter for the first time, and I remember he took a sip of a pint of bitter—a bit of a, a, a part of a part of the drinking experience here in the UK and other places. Mm-hmm. And uh, he took a sip of it, and I said, "What do you reckon?" And he said, "It's quite bitter." I said, "Well, that's the point. It's called bitter, dickhead. Of course, it's going to be bitter." <laughs> and it's that whole thing of like, "Well, you did, its exactly what it says it is, and exactly what it does, exactly what it does."
3: Well, I mean, it's it's different taste, but it made sense for for who they are.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, like that. I mean, I mean to me, that's the point. And, and the point that I thought was interesting is people saying like, "Oh, if this was WWE, people would be would be ripping on it and trashing it." Well, yes, some people would, because the people who are tribalistic toward AEW would say that. But for the most part, people appreciate what they want to appreciate, no matter what company it is, and and. and and then there's people who are saying like, oh, well, that's true sports entertainment. How long has AEW been this a la carte promotion <laughs> movie that has something for everybody?
2: Like you said <laughs> before we went on air, like if you if you weren't a fan of that, surely you were a fan of the Lucha Brothers
3: stuff. Yeah, that, that great match that those two had, or the uh, or the David versus Goliath match that Wardlow and Jungle Boy had, or the fast paced four way tag with John Silver going nuts on everybody at one point or Kenny Omega's great entrance. There was something for everybody on this show. We made a horseman leg-breaking angle, for God's sakes.
2: <laughs> you had a pilmanization. Literally, it was, it was a smorgasbord, was AEW. And I'm the NXT guy saying that. <laughs> it was a smorgasbord. You know, it's, with, with, with AEW, you're getting a, you're getting a, a platter of, of different things. Then I see at the moment you're very much getting a five guys burger and fries. And if you like five guys, then you're in for a treat. But with AEW, if you don't like one bit, there's another bit you can like. And I'm enjoying that aspect of the product.
3: Yeah, it's like being Homer with the steam tray, walking back to his table. <laughs> at Seafood restaurant. Put a fish in his mouth open.
2: Hey, look, we're cheating, mate. We can't talk about wrestling from the 21st century. We have to go back. We have to go way back where we didn't have a dinner debonair. We didn't have a platter. We didn't have a five guys. Uh, we had some cold cuts and some and some heated up microwave chicken to, to digest.
3: <laughs> we had a tin can full of rotten beans.
2: <laughs> we certainly did. as in so, Although, <laughs> as we've said, like, so far... It's not been awful. It's not been great, but it's certainly not been awful. I don't know whether I was too braced for the beginning of 1995, the new generation era, to be shite off the bat. But it's not been
3: well, too
2: bad.
3: <laughs> well, as Michael Cole said on April 6, 2014, the streak... Is over.
2: <laughs> oh, cry. Right. Also, as Michael Cole said, <laughs> WrestleMania once, for the love of mankind. Um, <laughs> let's get into it. Before we get hey, into. Man, how
3: cool is that? <laughs> different show.
2: How cool is that, guys? Oh. <laughs> yeah. See you soon, Ross. Yeah. Um, before we get into it, where and when are we this week, Justin Henry?
3: Uh, this was aired on Monday, January 30th, 1995, the day after Super Bowl 29. This was taped a week earlier at the Manatee Civic Center in Palmetto, Florida.
2: A beautiful location and a beautiful name for a building. (laughs) Do you not agree?
3: Well, it is true. I mean, it is Manatee County, Florida. So it's not like this is like, hey, well, what sort of aquatic creature can we name it after? And they named it for the county.
2: I just keep thinking of manatees. I just assume that is the
3: case. Well, I understand.
2: We had, uh, before we get into the episode, just to give you a little... Painting of the landscape of the world of professional wrestling at this point, WCW had a moral victory at the National Association of Television Program Executives. This is the the event that takes place every year where big TV types all flock to to, to be seen and heard. Uh, now it was actually to, this is how big the event was. Right, the reason uh, the Clash of Champions was moved from Hampton to Las Vegas was because of this convention being held around this time. Uh, The idea was that WCW would hold a major event in the area, get major TV execs there, and then show off a hot product with Hogan and Savage according to Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer. WCW did seem to come out strong from a psychological standpoint uh, from NATPA because for the first year in history, they stole the spotlight from the WWF. Titan flew big wigs like Vince McMahon, Diesel, Undertaker and Jim Ross in from Florida on the Red Eye after the Raw taping. So as soon as this this bit of Raw is done, they are a flipping way. And um, according to those who were there, Diesel was walking around in full getup No one knew who he was. That's a shame. Uh, WCW pulled larger crowds uh, at the Turner booth. Hogan and Savage were there. There was at one point where Diesel, the Undertaker, and Vince McMahon uh, were there, and the lines for autographs for those guys were were thin or non-existent compared to some of the big lines for Hogan and Savage. It was a bit of a moral win for WCW on this particular occasion.
3: Well, it's understandable. Hogan and Savage are established brands and all the undertakers somewhat established they just put the belt on diesel two months earlier and yeah I mean imagine walking around this TV convention and there's a seven foot guy in leather pants walking around and you have no idea who he is and he's, he's carrying a belt for all, for all you know he's just some wonk trying to get hired a wonk um, <laughs> that's a great word mate <laughs> <laughs> well If if you saw that and you didn't know who that was, wouldn't wonk come to your mind also?
2: (laughs) It will from now on. I I don't think I use the word wonk enough to describe people. I certainly will from today. Um, (laughs) Incidentally, at this convention, there was only one other wrestling promotion that was in attendance. And it was the American Wrestling Federation based out of Chicago. Um, the I know, right? Also They call themselves the Wrestling Company for the 21st Century and were represented on the on the floor <laughs> it's even, it's even funnier when you realize on the floor they were represented by Tito Santana, Sergeant Slaughter, Greg Valentine and Bob Orton I
3: know I, know, I mean that's I know the roster that's why I was like <laughs> it's amazing
2: I, I, and I, with that a trace of irony
3: i think Brian Zane actually reviewed AWF before on his channel and it has to be, it has to be seen to be believed
2: he did, didn't he? Yes, he did. This was this was just like whoever was knocking around with any kind of name value, get him on.
3: If you think the heat machine and, and on these shows we're reviewing is bad, oh, you got to see AWF.
2: Now correct me if I am wrong, because I might be getting my uh, defunct wrestling promotions videos from Brian Zane mixed up because I flip in okay. love a defunct wrestling promotion video by by Brian Zane. Oh my god, mm-hmm. the man's ace. Um, was the AWF the promotion that brought back the round system? You are correct. Yes! The revolutionary round system was. Mm. It's back, mm. baby.
3: It was World of Dork.
2: <laughs> world of Wonk. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, on the subject of, of older wrestlers making a big comeback, Tully Blanchard is the name on the lips in 1995. Um, he is headlining an ECW show with Shane Douglas.
3: Oh, God. we are recording this approximately 12 hours after Tully helped FTR break Matt Jackson's leg in a really good show-ending angle and, and, and prove that Tully in his mid-60s can still jump off the ropes ably. Tully's Tully's spry for his age, like mm-hmm. he can move. But um, <clears throat> they brought Tully in to put Shane Douglas over. Well, first he had a draw, and then they had a second match where Shane won. Um, not so good, not so good. I, Very boring.
2: I thought you might know the crap. Well, it wasn't. I mean, the whole idea. I mean, this is what Dave has written about it. He says um, the storyline they're trying to push is that Tully Blanchard came back and tried to be a wrestler which is why the first match was so boring. They don't outright say it, but they strongly hinted it. But it's that's this, the, this time he's coming in as a brawler, as the old Tully Blanchard, as opposed to the new Tully Blanchard. Is that something they were going for, or do you think that's them sort of trying to paper over the cracks?
3: I think they were trying to paint over it afterwards. It was, um, it was a boring slog of a match. Tully was past his prime, understandably. He was in his 40s at this point. They had like a 40-something minute match. I'm not even kidding. Jeez. And it was just, it didn't take. I guess they really wanted but, uh, it to, but at least you've got like an out <clears throat> by
2: saying, hey, he can't wrestle anymore, but he can still fight.
3: I'm, I suppose. Uh, we actually reviewed here, or, or, actually, we, we streamed Heroes of Wrestling recently on, on, on the, um for the Hulk Discord channel. And uh, first off, don't ever do that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 it is a hideous show that does not improve on the sight of a blank screen for you over the same amount of time but there were two good things about it and, and these are genuine good things one, Too Cold Scorpio was a great athlete and he shows it here and two, Tully Blanchard cut a fire promo mm. and I don't use fire as an adjective ever because I'm, I'm old but watching this promo, Tully brought the goods he wrestled Stan Lane on this show match wasn't that good but Tully actually cut a passionate promo about being overlooked and proving that Stan Lane was more of a has-been than he was. It was actually... I mean, I'm not doing it justice, but it is tremendous, and if you seek out one thing from that show, it should be that.
2: I remember from years ago, when I read about this show in, I think it might have been Powerslam magazine, even they said the only highlight of this show is Tully Blanchard.
3: Yeah, Tully's always been a great promo. Tully was... Tully's like the—he's like half Flair, half Arn, which is why he was great for the Horsemen. You know, Flair's arrogance and and over-the-top speaking, and Arn's down-and-dirty brawling.
2: As we as we plunge into the new generation, it's funny how so much of the news for today is all about some of the older stars. Obviously, the AWF uh, pushing forward. God love them. Tully Blanchard, and Ric Flair due to make his comeback in WCW soon. The general belief, according to Meltzer, is that Ric Flair's first match back will be at Slambury on the 21st of May at the Bayfront Center in St. Petersburg, probably in a tag with Vader against Hogan and Savage. Flair's back. And, and, and that's how we go, isn't it?
3: Mm-hmm. That was the first WCW pay-per-view that I ever ordered, actually. Really? And you know who wrestled on that show? Well, I'll do one better. One guy wrestled on that show that also wrestled at the 95 Rumble. Do you know who it is?
2: One guy wrestled on that show. Oh, is it, is it uh, Rodney Dangerfield? Oh, no respect. <laughs> is it
3: Dick Murdoch? It is Dick Murdoch. Yay!
2: Oh, no respect. Hey,
3: not putting me in the mood <laughs> See, of it. Everyone talks about Luger Championship at 95. How about Dick Murdoch? <laughs> the Dick Express <laughs> would have been... <laughs>
2: something to be well, it's, um,
3: it's not... <laughs> I'm I'm not beholding anything. <laughs> He'll be your hero <laughs> God. So when uh, you yes. Vince Fr- got me a bus, I thanked him, and then he threw me under it. <laughs> <laughs> no respect. No respect.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the contrast. If
3: you have no idea, continue. <laughs> I
2: was going to say I love the contrast for people who listen to the SmackDown review and the Raw review. On the SmackDown review, it is jokes about the Nintendo sixty-four and gaming in the noughties. Here, it's Rodney Dangerfield, W. H. Fields, <laughs> and uh, well, anything from Saturday Night Live in the in the in the early
3: nineties. Well, it's. We try to run the gamut with these shows. Oh, hell yeah.
2: And I have flipping love every second of it. <laughs> this is how we roll, baby.
3: <laughs> this is just stream of consciousness BS, and, and it's all wonderful.
2: Exactly, as it flipping well should be. So those are my notes uh, for this week in wrestling. There's mm. not a lot happening as we start mm. in the year, but I'm sure I'm sure there'll be some, some major developments from WCW before too long. But before we get mm. to that, let's... Uh, Let's throw it over to Justin Henri to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night
3: Raw. Well, speaking of BS, <laughs> we come to a show that is clearly not the live portion of a TV taping. <clears throat> We're getting to the warmed-over, leftover section. We, st- we start out with still photos of Bigelow over the whole LT thing from the Rumble. Vince narrating in his very Vincian fashion. We reiterate suspension. We reiterate he was supposed to apologize. But last week he was there were technical issues. This week, apology part two. <laughs> this time it's, it's personal. Bam Bam Bigelow's apology is now Emma Lena.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I also like how Vince called him Scott because it's real. Damn it.
3: Mm-hmm. Or is Paul Heyman said say you're Scott Charles Bam Bam, bam Wow. <laughs>
2: It's better when he gravels he it. would
3: say it. Well, Paul gravels everything. I like chocolate milk. Continuing.
1: <laughs>
3: so, we, so we hit the intro. We go to Vince and Sean, and oh my god, look at this green screen. I will never not be boggled by the green screen.
2: It's it's this is I think I think you you pointed out on Twitter and uh, and I saw that as well. I was like, that's that is that is the level of green screen. That is somebody who has just figured out Twitch streaming and they use OBS and they are now showing off with it. (laughs) That is that's how that works. That's two overlays and a webcam behind it. That's someone showing off with OBS.
3: That is. Well, the screen grab I put up, I can't remember what part of the show it was. so I might as well discuss it now. It's one thing to do the intro where you show Vince and Shawn and you have the crowd superimposed behind them. I mean, that's bad enough because it, it, it's patently obvious what's going on there. But then they show Vince and Sean like later on in the show at the commentary desk, and the, and the crowd superimposed behind them. Now that'd be great if you could seamlessly pull this off. But not only is the crowd slightly blurry in contrast to Vince and Sean. I mean, not like like I mean not like blurry blurry, but just like noticeably. A different um, tint, so to speak. Not only, not only is that an issue, there appears to be a six foot gap between Vince and Sean and the crowd <laughs> where, <clears throat> where you could store like little crates.
2: Social distancing, isn't it? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I suppose so. <clears throat> I mean, usually the, the, you know, they're right up against the guardrail. A fan of Farmer can, can, can you hear Vince and Sean make jokes of each other when they're in commercial, theoretically. Nope, not this time. The, the question is it was just so awkward the
2: question is though mm. would you rather okay if because you, if you're not going to do all these bits live fine we're not chastising the company for not doing live commentary not being live all the time that's fine do sure. you yeah. do you do them as green screen or do you just have like a wall like a raw logo or you're in like a an area where you've got a little table set up where you can cut back and forth do you do that instead
3: Yeah, just do what Joey Styles did back in the day where you stand in front of the the big logo curtain or whatever. There you go. And just imply that you're there. Yeah, that's – but but, 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 I mean this dumb stuff continues to this day with NXT where you had to have two stand-ins for Beth and Wade at ringside next to Vic Joseph. I find that
2: really jarring, having, like, some com- sometimes the commentators are there, sometimes it's a Zoom meeting, because the, the issues that you have with that is obviously the aesthetic of, well, I can hear Wade and I can hear Beth, but I can only see Vic and two stunt doubles either side for what, uh, I guess, to control the call? I don't know. But then the other one is... Is the delay, and this drove me wild when I watched um, the last takeover because the, because they're all they need to be all on the same page. They mm-hmm. Vic Joseph is watching the same feed as Beth and Wade Barrett, but of course they're at home and there's a delay.
3: So a slight delay. There's a slight
2: yes. delay. So therefore, you have Vic Joseph, who I'm enjoying on commentary, and the way that Vic Joseph talks, he he'll, uh. he'll announce a move and then big move from up here, but. The problem is, when you're doing that on a delay, the big move happens, there is a beat, and then you react to it in a big way.
3: <laughs> well, there's obvious hazards, and not the least of which is the fact that you're trying to pass off Casey Lennox, MLW interviewer, as Beth Phoenix at the table. <laughs> <laughs> two very talented women, but... You, you hear Beth, you're like, is that Beth dyed her hair?
2: <laughs> you're just better off just not having anybody sat there and just had... Just had Vic Joseph there and just gone with it.
3: I just don't understand the vanity of it all where you have to, you know, bend over backwards and jump through hoops in order to try to convince people that this is on the level. It's like no one really cares about that. Dude. That feels like a
2: weird Vince aesthetic thing. Like even and it even comes back to this in ninety-five, where Vince is like, We need to make sure it looks like we're there. But it's blatant that you're not, and that's okay. Like, we get it. It's in the can. That's fine. Just you don't need to, to try and appease us or trick us. It's cool.
3: Yeah, they deserve. It's just overthinking stuff. Yeah, definitely. We start out with um. So we got Vince and Sean standing there in front of the green screen, and Mabel Steam is playing. And Sean's boogieing down to it while Vince is talking. That's pretty funny. Got some, got the tag title rematch tonight with Smoking Guns versus One Two Three Kid and Bob Holly. And we have the forthcoming two-man Royal Rumble between Mabel and King Kong Bundy. <laughs> While Sean talks about Pam Anderson adoring him. And I realize there's... Was... Now, I have a question here. Mm-hmm. Was Oscar at ringside? Because I didn't see him. Um, I don't think he was. I think Mabel came out on his own. <laughs> was Oscar rapping or, or was that Mabel rapping? I couldn't, I couldn't tell because, because there was cameras on Vince and Sean the whole time.
2: I I think it I have a feeling it was dubbed over. I have a feeling it was just like a track that was playing as he was walking to the ring.
3: was Wade Barrett rapping under the ring? (laughs) Oh yeah, who's
2: the man? (laughs) Whammo Jammer, who wants the bull hammer? (laughs) I tell you what I'll have him in a minute. Um John, first one of the day, mate. (laughs) So we have Wade Barrett under the ring rapping. (laughs)
3: <laughs> good luck with that, John. Not- Notorious NXT. Hey, he's very good so on NXT, we, isn't
2: he? He's very good.
3: I don't know. I don't watch. Oh, fine then. I think he's very good. I, I'm sure he is. way Barrett is a very good talker. He was good on NWA. Mm. So,
2: here's the thing. Here's another question, mm-hmm. right? Why? Yes. Why? Oh, why? Oh, spells yo-yo. No. Why are we having a mini rumble now? The rumble is done. Like, why are we doing this now? Could we not have done this in the build-up as opposed to the the payoff?
3: Tom, you're thinking too much. I think you're I turning in the I
2: am, aren't I?
3: <laughs> you gotta understand, Tom. These are two beefy boys here.
2: <laughs> they are beefy. They're
3: a draw boys. because they're beefy boys. <laughs> I do love me some beefy boys. So Mabel and Bundy, this is a two-man Royal Rumble because we love watching big guys bump into each other. This is like Big Daddy and uh, help me out here, Giant Haystacks. Who's Big Daddy's rival? Giant Haystacks. Okay, it's my bad. Great Giant hey,
2: just... no, Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. It's 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 uh it's it's a piece of wrestling history. The great rivalry that those two had in British wrestling
3: absolutely so we have a seizure inducing camera effect for Mabel so you know Dunn's on the Switch
2: oh, this should have come with a flipping yeah. warning like this is the worst mm-hmm. like if I if I had epilepsy I'd be terrified to watch Raw again after mm-hmm. this because that came out of
3: nowhere oh yeah I, I was wondering what the hell that was it was like the Pokemon episode in Japan years ago that caused all those kids to like have seizures and stuff <laughs> So, DiBiase brings Bundy out, and it, because apparently the crowd in Palm Meadow, Florida, is, is full of brain-dead yokels, DiBiase takes the microphone and chooses now to explain the rules to the crowd. It's like, what's the point of that? It's two big guys in a ring. It's a two-man battle royal. You go over the top of your roof, you hit the floor, you lose. It's like, why do you have DiBiase have to hammer that point home?
2: And, and it didn't matter anyway, because Vince talked all over him on commentary.
3: Yeah, I I don't get it. I thought this company was organized.
2: <laughs> and it's like, and Vince didn't say anything of any major consequence either. So it wasn't like he had to get something in before a break. He said nothing. You could have chopped all this out if you wanted.
3: Yeah, this is... is it is kind of parallel to today, where we hear the stories of Vince showing up at Everol, like, like 6 o'clock and, and tearing the script up and then rewriting everything himself. Like it's done it's ready to go like like nah my, my OCD is kicking in I know that I know this is garbage I'm gonna, I'm gonna write it I know what people like <laughs> so then, so Mabel goes to dump Bundy at the bell and he fails <laughs> Sean, I think what Sean yells Bundy trying to get Mabel over let's go I theme for 95 <laughs> they will try their very best and' so, Now, this match is, it's not so much a match as it is an extended laying on the ropes extravaganza here.
2: You know all those favorite spots that you love about the Royal Rumble? You know those ones where they're killing time between entries and between moments? You know how much you love those and you're sad you won't get to see them again for another year? Good news, you suckers! Ah, you've got it for ten minutes!
3: (laughs) You know how when they bring you a succulent meal at a restaurant... Like this nice pasta dish with seafood in it, and 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 this, and this succulent marinara sauce, and they put a little sprig of parsley on it. <laughs> this matches just a plate with one sprig of parsley on it. Nice. That's all it is. No meal. This is just the parsley. So basically, it's just guy lays on ropes, fights off. Guy lays on ropes, fights off. Guy lays on ropes, fights off. There, there was a, <clears throat> excuse me. There was a very noticeable edit here, and I'm wondering, what in the hell was so bad or boring or irrelevant that it had to be edited out of this match? I'm guessing this is like the sideshow Bob Rake routine, where they did the spot 45 times and they cut it down to like four. This thwack uh, thwack uh,
1: <laughs> and it just
3: it just kept going, but except nobody was laughing. So then Bundy gets me to the ropes. All of a sudden, Iris and Tonga hit the ring because it's a rumble. Anything goes in a rumble unless you're Finley and you use um, a shillelagh, which in case you get disqualified for some reason. They hit the ring, and then a- after about what appears what felt like seven minutes, Mo and Luger hit the ring, but it's too late because the three corporation members dump Mabel out, and Bundy wins. What we described ran for about three minutes. It felt
2: longer. Oh, this felt like a third of the show. Like this was you you oh, if you're gonna do this, three minutes is too long.
4: <laughs>
2: three minutes is too long. You want this ninety seconds. You want it. You want it to be. They get in the ring. We have we have Mabel belly push Bundy, and then Million Dollar Corporation all jump in and all hoy him out. And then here comes Luger, ridiculously late. Jesus Christ. If he was the bell of the ball, he'd barely have his shoes on. <laughs> he bombs in. <laughs> Obviously, he was backstage contemplating re-signing, then lost track of time. It's... Bombs back in. Here comes Bo. Too late. It's... You could have got that done in two minutes, Max.
3: <laughs> Luger is the worst friend ever.
1: <laughs> he is, and isn't he? So He's is an Mo. ass.
3: Never think of it. Why don't Luger fill in for Oscar tonight and wrap me to the ring?
2: Because men on a happen. mission doesn't really sound right.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> mall. or
2: mall. Mall. <laughs> which is the, the noise you make <laughs> when you're being when you when you're having your contract shoved into your mouth to stop you talking. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's Luger selling with a ball gag. <laughs> John, no, actually, no doubt you'll get you'll, get you'll
2: get you'll get taken off Twitter. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that.
3: Don't do that. Don't do that. Just do the scene from *Pulp Fiction*, where Bruce Willis, think <laughs> we <laughs> were tied to the chairs, we'll uh, put Luger in there somehow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you,
2: John, you can, but I can't promise you you won't get kicked off Twitter. Uh, or, or at least get a weird tweet from Lex Luger, who goes,
3: what's going on here? I don't know. Wait, and you have Dibiase, he's Ted. He give be Zed. <laughs> Ted's dead, baby. Ted's dead. <laughs> John, I'll leave that with you, fella.
2: Feel free to either do that or Photoshop <laughs> a lovely dove flying out of a cathedral. Either or, it's good for you.
3: <laughs> and this ball gag's too tight, too, Billy. <laughs>
2: where's oh god what's the word that you used oh yeah where's the wonk the wonk is sleeping well, wake him up
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: no no it, it, it's comma. time to wake up the pimp <laughs> oh.
2: Oh hang on. save save your karma points for later on tonight. Woohoo! Yes. Woo-hoo!
3: Oh, after the Just... races
2: we go with karma.
3: So speaking of corporation move, we not go to Bigelow who is still who's still dressed reasonably dapper. He's got a lovely suit on as Bigelow, hasn't he?
2: He looks he looks very very early nineties
3: went to the big and tall shop and got the grey tweed sports coat and the button up shirt he's looking <laughs> dapper he
2: went to the big and low shop
3: <laughs> <laughs> he's a uh, a lot of material used to make this jacket that's for sure it's a big jacket so Vince eh, eh, looks comfy though mm-hmm. so Vince taunts him about his about his humiliating loss at the Royal Rumble Vince is just laying this on thick he's an asshole and, and asked, like, what, all of these fans were laughing at you. Lawrence Taylor wasn't doing anything more than what they were doing. Why shove Lawrence Taylor? Why not? And also Vince wanted to say, why not shove another fan? <laughs> yeah! Was that what Vince was getting at? Why
2: shove Lawrence <laughs> Taylor, that four-year-old in the front row? You could have twatted him <laughs> instead.
3: <laughs> why not punch Brock Lesnar guy, that dick? <laughs> no offense, Brock Lesnar guy. I have no idea who you are. I, d- I just know of you. Anyway. So Bigelow actually has a pretty good response. What I, in terms of um, how the story goes, Bigelow says that LT was doing more than the other fans because LT disrespected him. Because as a professional, there's a professional courtesy here. Like, would bigelow a football game, if LT blew the game, and Bigelow's sitting at the 50-yard at the line, would he laugh at LT in his darkest moment? No, he wouldn't. So why is LT laughing at him?
2: It's, good. it's a good answer, to be fair. It's a very good answer.
3: That's actually not the worst uh, justification you can come up with. It's actually reasonable on Bickler's part. You know, he's he's hot. He just lost the match in humiliating fashion. Blew the tag titles. Fans are laughing at him. He's just trolling his ire. And here's LT, maybe a bit conciliatory. You know, just smiling at him, chuckling. Of course, Bickler's going to get mad. So maybe Bickler shouldn't have done what he did in, K- in kayfabe terms, but... You can see why he'd be angry at Lawrence Taylor. So Bigelow says he's not apologizing. Instead, he wants a fight. He has no helmet, no pads, no teammates, he says. Will we get Bigelow versus LT, Tom, you think?
2: Well, do you know what I wrote here the I wrote here great promo from Bigelow to set up what I'm sure will be an excellent match on the undercard for maybe WrestleMania. I think that would be nice. Pop that in sort of midway through the show, just to liven the crowd up, a bit of celebrity involvement on the mid card of WrestleMania. I think we'll, we'll be great. Great out for Lawrence, great out for Bigelow on the mid card. It'll be great.
3: You're saying it shouldn't go on last? No. What a shame stupid idea to put Bam Bam Bigelow and Lawrence <laughs>
2: Taylor on last. Bigelow, who has never been evented outside of a Survivor Series match in the like the 80s, and Lawrence Taylor, who's never wrestled before. Why would... Why? Hey, why, would you, hey. why would you put that whoa, 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 on last?
3: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, Bigelow may have been the 93 King of the Ring.
2: <laughs> that doesn't count. Why would you put that on last? That just seems... <laughs> That just seems silly when you've got, obviously, Diesel and Shawn Michaels, who is your new generation, heading for a collision course. And, of course, you want to put the title on last, as Triple H always insisted. The title always goes on last at Mania, as Triple H always insists. So, therefore, it's a stupid idea for Bigelow and Lawrence Taylor to go on last. They won't do it. It's a silly idea to think of in the first place.
3: Eh, Let's not shoot our WAD months in advance, Tom.
2: (laughs) I got plenty of WAD, mate. Backed up with WAD for this WrestleMania. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: That's what I was afraid of. (laughs) So, Hakushi versus Ricky Santana. Yeah, I have a fun fact about Ricky Santana here, Tommy. Oh, hit me, sir. Well, actually, two fun facts. One. He got a world title match on pay per view later that year.
2: Who was Did would, you know it, that? would it be with WWC or AAA? Neither. Oh. Would you care to divulge
3: who? Just, he was in the World War Three battle the, oh, for the world
1: title. In
3: God. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. It, 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 Nobson SAG's got a title shot here as well. And they deserved it.
2: They deserved it.
3: <laughs>
2: also, so, this year, fun funny, I like how, how the, the streams cross and we we talk more about how what these guys are doing in the modern era. This year, 2020, Ricky Santana inducted into the Cauliflower Alley Club.
3: Oh, good for him. Him and, him and the enhancement guy in the next match are actually, are actually a long-time tag team.
2: I'm assuming that... So, yeah, because looking at like the people who were... <laughs> On this show, um, David Sierra, by the way, just a spoiler. Um, they There must have been, like, a car traveling together or something, because there seems to be a lot of people from the same sort of
3: circuit. Well, they're Florida-based. Mm. So, so it makes sense. It It's a local guy, so it does make sense. That's fine. And the other fun fact, Ricky Santana here is such a veteran that on June 17th, 1985 at a WBF TV taping in Poughkeepsie, New York. He was the under the name Aldo Marino. Santana here was the first ever opponent in the WBF for Macho Man Randy Savage.
2: Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's pretty
3: cool. Ten years earlier.
2: I mean, he has had a story so career, like it? a 10-time tag champ for WWC, five-time Puerto Rico mm. champion, two-time Caribbean champion. Like, he's a vet. And it's just funny mm-hmm. to see vets in these jobber-like positions.
3: Oh, sure. It's like George South all the time. I would see him as an enhancement guy. Mm. It's just kind of funny. And, and go figure, it, 10 years later, Savage beats Santana to become world champion of WCW oh, and 58 other guys. But that's not the point. <laughs> so it's Hakushi and Ricky Santana Bill Alfonso is the referee I think he was friends with Santana and David Sierra from the next match it's weird it's weird seeing Fonzie here in 95 given that in 4 months he becomes the biggest heel on ECW isn't it just we're getting close to them I know it's a great run (laughs) he enforces the rules and everybody gets mad so Hakushi does as usual, jumping, spin kick to the throat. It's your typical just Hakushi uh, moves exhibition, which which he's great at. Vince botches Shinja's name, calls him Sinja, and which Sean's happy to correct him over. I gotta say, this is pretty slow pace for a squash, especially a Hakushi match. It's like they gave him four minutes; and he had no idea what to really do out there, especially with a a worker who may not have been so compatible with him.
2: Yeah, weird combo, this. Weird old combo. I know we're, we're trying to get Hakushi over with enhancement matches, but I just may... I just... like Again, it comes back to the whole thing of using veterans as enhancement guys. It just seems very strange to me.
3: He's got like an undersized crash dummy to take all Hakushis, uh, just catch him on his dives and just bumping, circling off his kicks and stuff. It's all you really need.
2: Yeah. We need like a whole so army it's... of one, two, three kids just on the undercard that can just bounce... For all the new generation stars.
3: I'm picturing like 20 Sean Waltmans walking in like Slim Shadies. What would that look like? Sean. (laughs)
2: Hee hee! If only there was someone (laughs) that could show us what that would look like!
3: John. The real Sean Waltman.
2: (laughs) Please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. Leave that with your imagination, sir.
3: I mean, in this match, there was a... uh, there was like a 20-second spot where Hakushi just chops Santana in his face and then chops him in his face and then chops him in his face. It was like they were trying to communicate like what, what, what the ending sequence was going to be. And Hakushi was just slowing was just for time by doing that spot. It was, it was just really weird. Something felt very off, didn't it? Yeah, I think they might have been on different, different pages and different books here. But then it picked up at the end because a chop fest developed. Hakushi got this nice backdrop suplex, a diving shoulder block, and finished with this nice-looking handspring splash. I'm liking
2: Hakushi. So Hakushi.
3: Well, how can you not? Mm. He's such a breath of fresh air, especially in this era. Especially after watching Mabel and Bundy oh. collide into each other.
2: This was Yeah, this felt, like, this felt like a palate cleanser if we ever needed one. And I just there's again one of those guys who at this point in time, and and I've said many times, like the reason I love doing this podcast with my friend Justin Henry, is that it's a whole era of wrestling that passed me by. Like I fell out of love of wrestling around this time, as many wrestling fans did. So for me, a lot of this I'm discovering for the first time and I'm seeing for the first time. And I was whilst I've seen some of the the bigger matches of Hakushi. Uh, on WWF pay per view, seeing like these these prelim matches gives you a flavor of just how innovative somebody's handspring moonsault was. Like on NXT, you know, you see one of those just before an arm drag, but on on Raw in the mid nineties, like that got the suitable whoa from the uh, from the Heat Machine and from Vincent Sean. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm.
3: If you ever want to see just how much the evolution of moves have, has has developed over the years. Watch the November 1992 Clash of the Champions. There's a handicap match with a young two-cold Scorpio in it. He hits a 450 splash for the first time in a mainstream American promotion. Uh, just a 450 splash, something that we've seen many times since from various wrestlers. Watch the crowd lose their effing minds when they see it. It's, in the, in, it's like a game-winning home run in front of the home crowd. It is that kind of response. They've never seen anything like it in their lives, and that was 28 years ago. God, it feels like yesterday because I'm I'm old. <laughs> it, it, it was so new for the time. Nowadays, it's like something's at four fifty on two five live. Okay, I've seen a four fifty splash, and now it's like a chin lock.
2: It's funny how nowadays it's how, how it's going the other way. Whereas <clears throat> in in sort of that ninety two early ninety two with Clash of Champions stuff like that, wrestling was such the thing. Like actual wrestling was was the way it was done, and then anything of high risk high offense, anything that looked that pretty, that was, whoa, a big captivating <clears throat> moment. Flat, fast forward 2020, and of course NXT is my frame of reference because I watch that every week, where you have got high-flying matches every single week. The two people standing out on NXT this week, Timothy Thatcher and Ember Moon. The reason they stand out, they are technical wrestling. They are slowed down, mm-hmm. and and that immediately mm-hmm. makes... They're, they're doing the moon salts of 2020, from 92 because <laughs> instead of flipping everywhere case instead of running a million miles an hour they're grappling and that in itself is a bit of a spectacle
3: chris jericho quotes brian pillman in one of his books in his brief interactions with him in ecw he said pillman gave him advice that changed that changed his perspective forever which was in order to be great <clears throat> you have to do something that nobody else has done i would amend that slightly in order, in, in order to stand out you have to do something that nobody else is doing, mm-hmm. and it's true. Yeah, if everyone's doing moonsaults, and you're F- and are and your FTR. Guess what? All of a sudden, tag team wrestling from the '80s is cool again, and for a good reason.
2: Yeah, and I love it, and and it's I I'm. It's a re- it's still, and I know people. We live in this world where like, where it's it's tribalistic, and people get hot about everything, and. Sometimes the idea of enjoying something is is so foreign to some, but bugger it. This is a really cool time to be a wrestling fan, a really cool time, because there is something for you everywhere. Like I've been delving into Fight TV a lot more than I used to. I've been on the Fight app, and I've been watching a lot of GCW and a lot of AAW, and I've watched the United Wrestling Network. And I've been consuming so many different brands and styles of wrestling. God, this is an exciting time to be a fan. Because there is something for you all the time on on so many different platforms. If you don't like what AEW's doing, you bitch and moan about it, or you can watch NXT. If you don't like what NXT's doing, you can watch Raw and SmackDown. You probably don't like what Raw and SmackDown are doing, so you can watch... Impact, Mm. Impact are doing some brilliant stuff at the moment. And Impact might not be a cup of tea. MLW, their YouTube show was chef's kiss. It's coming back soon. It's exciting. You've got them. You've got Game Changer Wrestling who are bringing the indies together in wonderful ways. And they're beautiful as well in in their variety. And there's just so much out there. It's so exciting. It's such an exciting time. When you remove yourself from the noise, when you step back from the shouting, it is such an exciting time to be a wrestling fan
3: you're absolutely right, and as far as stepping away from the noise goes, think of everything that you've loved as a kid before you had the internet. Now do an internet search for all those things, and and you'll find a lot of people saying how much those things sucked. Yeah. That didn't enjoy them the same way you did. It would totally ruin all of them for you if you really immerse yourself into that or just make you angry.
2: If I was, do you know what? I wonder how I would have coped as, as a younger kid if I was, <clears throat> like when I was Ten or eleven years old, and I was deeply obsessed with, like, Sonic the Hedgehog, the games and the comics and stuff like that. I was very much a, a socially acceptable <laughs> Christian Western Chandler, and um, I, I wonder how I would have coped, if I had that going on, plus the constant noise of Twitter of people telling me my things I like are shite. I don't know how I would have coped, because at thirty six, I don't always cope. I don't know how I would have coped at eleven. Mm.
3: Well, probably gotten angry a lot more.
2: Yeah, I think it would have Felt made me to more defend uh,
3: the things you like.
2: Yeah, it would have made me a lot more um not tribal. Would have let, would it would it just maybe a bit more removed, a bit more yeah aggressive, probably a bit more defensive.
3: Would you turn the would you turn the radio on if you had no say in what music came out of it? Um, well, I do. To be
2: fair, <laughs> just but, about. But can you
3: change the station or put in your own music?
2: Yeah, I certainly can. There you go. So there, that's it. That's what it's all about. So it's all about mm. some deep thought on this week's show. Mm. It's this chat with Jimmy Jacobs. It's changed yeah. me.
3: <laughs> Is he your guru now?
2: I think he might be. I don't think he knows it, but I think he might be. <laughs> We did a Desert Island Graps. It's on, it? the it's, it, about... it's on the podcast feed now. And we just a lot of it is talking mm-hmm. about philosophy. And it's brilliant. And it was just a wonderful chat. It was quite a deep chat. And it was very off the beaten track of what a normal episode of Desert Island Graps is. But I really enjoyed it.
3: I fear this is going to turn on the What About Bob before long. It
1: might do. <laughs> Ready to pop the question?
2: Bring me back to 1995, where everything's a bit shit and everyone's eating Slim Jim.
3: Oh, shit, Slim Jims. Shit Jims. <laughs>
1: <gyms. clears
3: throat> so we get the big plug for for the Encore Plus airing of the of the Rumble. We have some still photos of it. A lot of still photos, in fact. In fact, they go over every single match. It's like didn't they kind of just give everything away here.
2: Yeah, they didn't leave you much to to want to watch, did they? <clears throat>
3: No, it's a pretty thorough, like two-minute video package of just photos from the rumble, and this, it's like a whole photo album, or like a slideshow almost. And it's just like, okay, well, it's not really fresh now. And no, then no. we get some bumper segments that have to have Roddy Piper in them, but that's that's it to go along with the, with the matches. So it, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Aldo Montoya versus David Sierra would later become Fidel Sierra in the Barrio Brothers with Ricky Santana <laughs> right. and that we said later that year.
2: They're, they're on the same show. It's lovely.
3: I, I do love Alder Montoya's Shuriken Pyro that he has going around the ring. Whatever those ninja stars are called. I probably I, said it wrong. They called shiruk- no, they're called Shurikens. You, you're good. Shurikens. Mm. I thought I said Shurikens. Like, 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 like they're shrieking. Shuriken? Okay.
2: <laughs> A shrieking Shuriken. As you throw it, it just goes, ah!
3: Uh, i'd be uh, terrifying alliteration i love it pal <laughs> so, so sean keeps mocking the strap of montoya and and, and vince in an attempt to justify this awful mask that just incredible is wearing says and this is an exact quote that's the new look
2: it's it's all the rage We're, wearing crotches on your head it's all the rage
3: <laughs> so, now with Vince here this could run the gamut this could either be him cheekily playing along with Sean and making fun of the mask with him but in sort of like a good cop way or he may have thought this was a good look and thought they could sell these masks to children
2: I have a feeling that Vince would have wanted to spin these as a merchandising thing, hoping that Aldo Montoya would catch on and all the kids would be wearing jock straps on their head this Christmas.
3: This is like something that one of you guys would wear if, if you lost the pay-per-view punishment contest
2: for 24 <laughs> hours. Oh, don't pull that out into the stratosphere. Jeebus. Don't Adam, give anyone if, any ideas.
1: Adam, Adam, you <laughs> no, John. On...
3: Don't shout Adam. We shout John on this podcast. We don't shout Adam. as you see Jack going in into, what is it, what is it Greg's? Whatever you cakes. have over there. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can just buy him, buy him like a breakfast sandwich while wearing that over his face <laughs> and the hat on top of it. So basically, you'd like to see Jack on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't need your charity. Thanks. Um, no, 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 no. That's not necessary. You don't have to... Oh, well, well, <laughs> Why does <did> your
2: accent <laughs> always come out German?
3: Because like, cause I'm naturally German, so it, it shifts that way. Are you? Well, I'm I'm a primary German heritage. I did not know that. That's really exciting. Well, it's it's primary German heritage. I'm, I'm basically a mutt, just a little bit of everything. Oh, that's all right though. Yeah. But like I'd say close to half German. Have you ever been? No. Any
2: desire to?
3: Yeah, it's if it if it comes up.
2: It's it's a it is honestly I went to Munich about 10 years <clears throat> ago and just fell in love with life in Germany. Just everybody is there's, there's, a, there's a real warmth about, about Germany that, I can't, that you can't get anywhere else. Like, really fell in love with it. I can't recommend and, it enough.
3: And they have those tandem bikes that you can drink beer on.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that helps as well. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> the, the alcohol in Germany is second to none. <laughs> you have the best time. So I'm told. <laughs> if you go during October, whoo, you are in for the best time.
3: Now we go to the worst of times as we have just Credible with a strap on his head. Aww. He's in one of the Barrio brothers.
2: <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs>
3: That's probably what they were going for when they gave him that name too.
2: <laughs> well, no, I feel like I feel like if they were, they'd have doubled down and put him in overalls. You'd think that, or Vince and Vince would have given him a control a joy pad <laughs> to walk out with, because Vince would be well, like, "I get it, but I don't quite get it. Let's give him a control pad because other people might not quite get it."
3: We end up comparing Adam Montoya's wrestling to Kathy Lee Gifford's singing, which is a nice topical reference, because she was booed out of the Super Bowl for her national anthem performance. That nah, because people just hate Kathy Lee. Oh, is
2: she that was she that un- unliked at this point?
3: <clears throat> she was just seen as it's just, just like an, an annoyance. She, she she hears that morning show with uh, Regis Philbin, Regis and Kathy Lee, mm. and she was just like the overly sugary, like like. I would see like, like like what was so bad about her compared to a lot of other people. But I think people just she was an easy target because you can make fun of her and and no whatever defender basically. It got a little bit worse a few years later when uh, it was revealed that her, that her clothing line may have been manufactured in the, in, in, in overseas sweatshops and she had to like had this tearful press conference where she where she tried to like like apologize or explain other way or whatever and um yeah that was a kind of a dark chapter and people made fun of her a lot for that but that. That's still to come, I believe. But yeah, at at this point, it's either because her singing was bad or just because people don't like Kathy Lee. But I digress. So it is while David Sierra is getting thrown off the top rope that we learn that Owen Hart is challenging Diesel for the world title on Action Zone this Sunday. What a weird time to plug that match.
2: Yeah, it's like, why are you doing it when there's so few people paying attention?
3: (laughs) During this match... This is like a breaking news thing. Owen's challenging for the world title again. And and you just kind of slide it in here.
2: There's just so much inconsistency with what you're putting on all these programs at the moment. Where you've got superstars and you've got Action Zone and you've got Raw. I guess that we, because obviously we cover just Raw, so we miss pieces of the puzzle every week. But I always kind of felt the idea was always going to be make Raw the flagship. And you never see these matches really on Monday Night Raw. I don't know whether it's because Raw is on a, on a, on a network where they've got coverage and they can promote the other stuff better.
3: Mm. Yeah. I guess it's just a matter of just trying to use your USA network synergy to to help all the shows on there. If they all benefit, then everybody wins, which I guess makes sense. Mm. I just wanted to point out real fast what I said about Lee a moment ago, because I, I totally forgot the whole sweatshop thing until just a moment ago when I brought that point up. And, uh, I just want to point out that she was un, she was apparently unaware. According to Wikipedia here, she was apparently unaware of what was going on to, about how how unpaid or low paid labor is being used to manufacture her clothing line, and 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 and, and how she worked with. It says here, it says Gifford later contacted federal authorities to investigate the issue and worked with U.S. federal legislative and executive branching agencies to support and enact laws to protect children against sweatshop conditions. Okay, so she, so she's not a monster or anything apparently. I just didn't want to make it seem like you know she's this awful person that like that, 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 that doesn't care about.
2: Oh know. no, I, I, I don't, no, don't worry that you didn't come across like that at all. I wouldn't stress on it.
3: I just want to make sure to point that out because I I just remember that story and I'm like like well, well she's still working now she's like, she 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 can't be that awful she's still working today and, and it turns out it was just an awful situation that she did the best to rectify. It seems. Yes, Montoya finishes with the um, twisting pump bulldog, which I actually like. Yeah, I like that. Or, it's a, it's a creative movie. Jumps off the middle rope while the guy's hunched over and does a court, does a half turn into a bulldog and finishes him. Very nice. So we we stay topical and we go to Ken Norton Jr., one of the best linebackers in the NFL at the time, who had just won Super Bowl 29 the day before with the San Francisco 49ers. He's in the locker room. He's exultant after winning. And so in a, in a clear parody of the I'm going to Disney World um, advert. He tells us, I'm going to WrestleMania. And because it's WrestleMania 11, he had to wonder if he, if he won or lost this game.
2: <laughs> I think it would have been funnier if um, he said, I'm going to Disneyland, but they dubbed over it with WrestleMania.
3: <clears throat> Mr. Black.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, yes, uh, Ken Norton Jr., he will he, he will appear at WrestleMania, in fact. hmm his father, former heavyweight champion of the world, he once knocked out Muhammad Ali, Ken Norton Sr. And i
2: and, and, um see you've seen a few more celebrities getting involved in WrestleMania 11. I'm sh- I'm sure they'll play a small role in a big night of wrestling, and they won't dominate <laughs> the landscape.
3: Well, I mean, it, it depends on how they're used.
2: Mm, really well. <clears throat>
3: And it's the night of semi-stars.
1: <laughs>
3: <clears throat> so we come to a very jarring segment, and and this requires further examination. Bob Backlund, Mr. Bob Backlund, is on the King's Court. This thing is still going. Not King's Court, Mr. Bob Backlund. Like, he's, uh, he will entertain us at points 95, but this is, this, this is filler. This is pure filler. So Sean tries to say that the kids are calling him Bob Prozakland. What kids? <laughs> what kids? Where?
2: Apparently, all the kids are doing it.
3: Vince handed him a post-it note, and Sean had to go with it. Like I got. So, Backlund in a very, very creepy low voice, while staring off into the yonder says that he will not release the chicken wing until he hears the person say, I quit, Mr. Bob Backlund. This man has been Xanaxed.
2: I don't... Uh, yeah. I don't mind the whole emphasis back on the chicken wing. But he seems very chill here.
3: Like, too chill. No, I mean, like, not just, like, Xanaxed, but just, like, for his own good, Xanaxed. Like, he's been... He, he comes off... He's been... Like, he wants to be manic and crazy... But they had to calm him down, so he's in like in this sort of creepy lull. So Backman's talking about how nobody can escape from the hold. Nobody. Once it's in, it's in. The hooks are in. You're not getting out of it unless he shows you mercy. So Luller's interviewing him. Keep in mind, you know, they're both nominally heels here. Lawler keeps saying, like, so nobody can get out of this hold. Well, I mean, I could, but in the he does, this, he does that several times, and Backlund snaps and keeps looking at him every time he says that because mm. all he keeps implying is you know, I can get out because I'm the king. <laughs> so this goes on for a bit, and, and, and Vince asks theoretically how somebody could put a hold on themselves, and Sean says, well, if anyone could do it, it's Bob. And, 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 and exactly that tone of voice, which was like the one saving grace of this segment. So Lawler keeps reiterating, Well, I mean I can get out of it. And he turns his back for a second, and Bob seizes him and puts him in the chicken wing. And Lawler very quickly gives up and and says the phrase that Backlund wants him to say. So then Backlund leaves. And then Lawler tries to save face by saying, like, Well, I only did that because um, you know, I'm doing a segment here and I just want to get it over with quickly. so Bob runs back to the ring and runs after him, and Lawler and Lawler tries to avoid him. He says, Look, like, Bret Hart's coming. Backlund turns, and Lawler Lawler runs for his life. So now you would think that Backlund just turned face here.
2: You think so? And you and, and you would be, you would be forgiven for thinking that is what happened here. But what actually happened here is Bob Backlund trying to get over something. But for some reason, and let's think on this, right? Mm-hmm. They don't like Jerry Lawler looking weak. Okay. I mean, uh, uh, is it looking weak? Well, more the fact that, like, for example, he won the Clowns R Us royal family match. Like, he had to win. He won that. could have lost that. He won that. I feel like every time there's interactions, Jerry Lawler just sort of gets away. I never feel like... The whole thing with Duke Drosy went nowhere. I feel like he got away with it. And I feel like here, like, up against Bob Backlund, like, you're going to, like... Backlund has tapped out several people with this move, but Lawler gets a pass on getting choked out by it. It would have been a cool spot if Backlund had choked out Lawler. But that, whatever reason, didn't happen.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's really weird that, that it's Bob who's trying to bring him to his mercy because we're supposed to hate Backlund and not want him to put the chicken wing on, on, on people. But now you have him beat up Lawler, who's irredeemable. And they have all trying to escape from him. So, who are you cheering for in this scenario?
2: I don't know if I'm cheering for anybody. I, I'm, I'm, I'm cheering for it to end, which is a shame. I like the concept of it. I like the I, I like the seeds that are planted. I just don't like the turf it's planted in. I like the seeds that are planted in the sense that Bob Backlund is is starting to build towards the I Quit match against against an
1: opponent
2: <laughs> at WrestleMania for better or for worse. For better or for worse, they are... They are uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Justin Henry you've ordered has stopped working. Um, for better or for worse, that is what they are building towards here. And, and and lines like that, the whole I won't release the chicken wing until you say I quit, Mr. Backland, that plants the seeds. So I'm
3: fine with that. Pam and plugs the new generation. <laughs> Because we have to have every celebrity that we that we can possibly get our hands on do this. Celebs are important. Let's, let's go back in time and ask Aretha Franklin, "Do what is dub over." <laughs> well, I'm happy. I'm happy to be a part of the new generation.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's Bob yuka Oh, it's so great to be. Diesel is the champion.
3: <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 just written. Just still reading the news footage like, like "I'm Charles Carroll and, and and this is Brett's coming over." <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, I'm William Refrigerator Perry, and one two three kid, and Sparkplug Ollie are the best <laughs> wrestler in the world. <laughs> Take
3: like the commentary dubs from a two K game.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, I'm thinking the commentary.
2: Everyone, everyone dig this is the two K games for commentary, and and they're pretty bad. They're pretty bad but we live through smackdown just bring it commentary that was that was a whole special that was the first time i think a wrestling game had really tried to go to town on commentary and oh oh just <laughs> strands of lines from taz that just sound so <laughs> awful
3: this single with a manager match is great crash holly has a great the flying elbow drop <laughs> yeah. it's <laughs> like rock quarry saying it i'm <laughs> rock quarry <laughs> so the tag team title match the smoking guns versus one two three kid and bob holly rematch from last week now remember bob holly is apparently concussed af here
2: i was gonna say I, I, if I, i've put in my notes check with justin is bob spark plug holly knackered
3: it's the same taping.
2: Oh, my God. Difficult. He's out there with a flipping concussion.
3: Well, this is 1995, and, um, well, they didn't have much um, impetus to really, I don't want to say overdiagnose or, or overcare for them, but. Because <laughs> they weren't caring enough, let's put it that they way. They weren't
2: caring full stop. Imagine sending him out there with a concussion.
3: Come mm. on, Bob, <laughs> off you go. Bob, what month is it? Purple. Good enough. Close Get enough. out there. <laughs> God, it's terrible so Sean says they should all thank him for, for throwing away the belts <laughs> Sean threw away a lot of belts in his career
1: <laughs>
3: he lost his guile
2: <laughs> it's Sonic Boom
3: <laughs> ah. Sonic so, Boom so, I, I get it Look street Fighter. <laughs> you love Street Fighter, don't you? Street <laughs> that's, that's all Tom could say now, apparently. Yoga so Shari- fire. <laughs> so Sean Shari- is looking for a new bodyguard. <laughs> he's looking for a new bodyguard.
1: <laughs> that,
3: that'll pay off soon. Hmm. Okay, Tom. Kid gets a great roundhouse kick, but there's no sound on the landing because... They've dubbed in the sweetener, and uh, that ruins a lot of things in this period. Uh, Michael says he loves the tag team action of the WWF, but does his colleague. Well, he doesn't say that part. I wonder that part. (laughs) Uh, Holly gets in there, and uh, let me tell you something. I like Bob Holly more than a lot of people do. I know people have criticized him for working overly stiff or being uh, what they feel is a bland character. I enjoy watching Bob Holly wrestle. I have never paid more attention to a Bob Holly match than I did this one. Just knowing the story to see if he did anything the least bit, you know, off kilter as a result of his predicament. I got to say, he looked all right out there. Like, you couldn't tell he was concussed. He was in pretty good neck. He was doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, there was like an awkward, you know, and then that was something else. I'm, I'm sorry, I was going through my notes there. But like, Holly does some stuff well enough. He he keeps it basic. He does hit the drop kick, his patented drop kick that um and he lands it too. So I was actually very impressed. Bar gets worked over, the challenge to make, make rapid fire tags. Keep him keeping him Bart isolated. How, okay, one thing Holly did that I thought was bizarre. He went for a pin after a snapmare.
2: Yeah, that's the man who's who's had a bit of a bang to his head. He probably he probably
3: thought he did a power bomb. I think he's playing take world wrestling.
1: <laughs> he's down
2: pin him. He's down pin him. Just pin him quick. I, I may For not remember matter. how to press pin again, so let's do it now while he's there.
3: <laughs> so we got Billy and Holly slugging it out. And this is this this part's a little hard to watch knowing that Holly was a little bit foggy. Holly and Bard do the double cross body spot. Kid gets the hot tag. He had drop kicks and spin kicks for everybody. A standing Enzergiri from one point. He goes for a flip senton attack on Billy, but he misses Billy. I'm sorry, he goes for it on Bart. Bart tag, here comes Billy. Now, Kid just missed like a flipping senton. Not the most unusual move for Kid. It's pretty basic. Kid is out, and his eyes are rolled in the back of his head. This was creepy. Yeah,
2: he didn't look in a good way when that landed
3: now i think this was just a worked injury which makes it weird that they would go to this extent to um wait was this word uh was, was there anything in the observer about this at all that you recall
2: nothing that i saw i did have a look i scoured the observer for mentions of him but they didn't actually say if there was uh, anything legit wrong with him
3: because yeah, i thought maybe it was just um a way to write him out
2: not entirely sure, sure. It looked. It, I. I mean, one thing that one thing Dave did say that that I recall is that a lot of people messaged him to ask if this was legit, and Dave kind of grumpily responded with, "They're trying their best to make things feel a bit more real."
3: Okay, so I'm I'm guessing this was just yeah. It's probably the way to have Kid and Holly lose twice without losing the second time. You know, take two pinfall losses. Well,
2: was, it reflects back to something they talked about a few weeks ago in the Observer, how they want to change up the sort of the win loss system for WWF, make it feel a bit more All Japan esque in sort of when people win and lose. So I guess it kind of blends into that idea that again, you don't want this this hot tag team to lose two matches on the bounce. So if you're going to do the match, find a way around yeah. it. That, uh, that gets them out of dodge and I guess a DQ probably was, wasn't was considered for this particular encounter for whatever reason and they went with uh, an injury instead One that, because the, doing it that way kind of gives them a reason to go again if they want to
3: and uh, was it good to have Kid do the Undertaker eye roll while landing on the canvas motionless
2: <laughs> Undertaker backstage taking
3: notes so Kid's out like I said his eyes are rolled back everything goes quiet refs hit the ring the match is stopped and then we go right to the commercial consideration we've got Bigelow plugging Slim Jims for one of the last times so Kid is like out and presumably dead that's how they kind of like sold it mm. I mean a hush fell over Palmetto. they even turned the heat machine off
2: They said they set the heat machine to sadness
3: <laughs> the violin starts off don't play that music
2: they press the wrong button Hogan Ah, Hogan. Oh, no damn it damn it why do we put silence next to Hogan
3: they're not even say... beach beach bum <laughs> this is 83 turn that off
2: <laughs> IRS right, why have we even got that we never use it take it off the hotkeys
3: <laughs> <laughs> so we come back from break and Vince, in the, this might be the most creepy Vince moment ever, not saying something. Vince, he starts he's he's, he's giving to the update on kids' condition. Probably kids' okay. And Vince goes, good news! Like an extra sugary voice. Weird. Just, like... I'm just... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about the, the face he made, and just the, the pap he put into it. Apparently, Kid walked out under his own power, which we don't see, because why would we see that? Why
2: would, why would we need to see that? that? Exactly.
3: Why would we need to see that the, the guy who was at Death's doorstep with his eyes rolled back like it's a friggin' exorcist? Got him walked out under his own power as normal, happy, healthy Sean Walton. Why would we need to see that? But I digress. On to this next match. Ha ha ha! Here we go! So we have one match left on this, on this particular episode. It is the debut of Kama as he faces my new favorite enhancement talent, Jumbo Beretta. <laughs> and boy, was he Jumbo.
2: Describe Jumbo
3: Beretta to us, Justin. It is a big, dumpy guy in a singlet.
2: <laughs> what was... Well, actually, we're getting... we'll I'll ask that question at the end. I'll ask that question at the end. Let's talk about Karma. Okay. Now, again, as I said earlier, I am watching a lot of these shows for the very first time. And Mm -hmm. I'm discovering these people for the first time. So I'm watching Karma's debut match for the first time. The first thing I noticed, I'm sure you did too, Justin. I went, whose music is that? Because that's not Karma's.
3: What is Karma's song? He had it first.
2: He did have it first. But it is the the music that would belong to Scott Taylor and Brian Christopher whilst they were performing as too much in the late
3: 90s. Except they added Harley Davidson sounds to it.
2: <laughs> they just tacked in Harley Davidson, Harley.Davidson.Wav at the beginning. <laughs> and there you in, have the song.
3: In fact, if you keep listening to Brian Christopher's song, around like, like later on, uh, you do... You do hear a Harley revving deeper deeper into the song. It, I guess it was never taken out officially.
2: So was this designed for Karma, then?
3: Yes, this, this was his original song. Oh, wow.
2: I thought it was just something off the shelf, rather than a now, bespoke.
3: Now, now, the problem with the song, and, and I will say, I, I actually like the song, because it's different. Yeah. But it sounds like something you would hear in, like, a Cologne commercial. It has, like, the sort of, like, Film noir esque mysteriousness to it, like and almost like a, like a, a eurocentric sort of sensuality. Like you, you, you picture like this black and white film, you know the the blonde damsel, the you know the the handsome guy that lock eyes, and you hear the song, and it's very. You don't think of a supreme fighting machine. <laughs> like I don't know how this really fits, comma. I mean, I, I guess it's like. There's like a sense of like uh, it's maybe a bit unsettling. That's all I can really think of. You, know, you think of like face the pain from all the UFC events. Just like like loud screamo metal. Like, I just think you're based, based on
2: the the vignettes we've seen, him dropping people in the training area, punching bags on a flipping motorbike through the desert. It doesn't seem to match what in my head I thought karma was good. I expecting karma to come out like Wrists taped, leather jacket, sunglasses on, guitar oh, yes, riffs, and all that. Almost like Terminator.
3: We have to describe Karma's outfit now.
2: Yes, we do. <laughs> Why? Because okay. the, what I described would have been shit hot. What we got was shit not. <laughs>
3: Let's now, Comma, for those of you who, who, who aren't quite aware, is The Godfather. Charles Wright is a very large man, about six feet six inches tall. He's usually built in the neighborhood of about three hundred ten pounds, just a monster of a heavyweight. Nice guy, you wouldn't want to mess with him. He's a big dude, so and, and he's quite muscular too. Not like to like, like say um, you know like like a, a Brian Cage level, but a dude who's pretty jacked nonetheless. Big arms, maybe not like a. He doesn't have a washboard abs or anything, but he's a he's he's still, he's still just a big heavyweight wrestler. So what did they give him? Well, what could you have given him? You could give him like say MMA style shorts and the gloves and just set him out there like that. That'd have been fine. Mm-hmm. You could, you, could, you you can give him a regular singlet like like Brian Cage wears or Wardlow wears. that have been fine too. No no no. What do they give him? They give him a red singlet. With a white tight shirt grafted to it. So he's wearing a, a t shirt with a single over top of it. I <laughs> thought this boots.
2: was a good idea.
3: He looks like he's wearing a body cast.
2: Such an odd look. Now is he now is the look based on I I seem to think that the look is based on somebody. Not anybody we, cool. No, I think we talked <laughs> about this. I think we talked about this. And um, his look is indeed based on uh, a, a shoot wrestler. That's it. Kim, that's it. Now. Kimo? Kimo Leopoldo is the shoot Kimo wrestler. He wore that. that he wore that? I mean. That's the guy he's based on, but now I'm looking at pictures of Kimo Leopoldo. I don't see him wearing the nonsense that Karma was wearing. <laughs> but that was the um, that was the that was the motivation, the inspiration behind Karma. Now, if Karma had done what Kimo has done
3: and just had black trunks, wrist tape, gloves, boots, that'd have yeah, been Kimo's A's. A frightening, Yeah, Kimo's a frightening-looking man. That's a good look to rip off if you're going to do that. But um. I mean, so so far I've found no photos of Kima wearing a white shirt under a singlet. No, that's
2: something that that's that's something obviously that they added. I think it's almost like they were they were creating a wrestler in 2K20 and they don't know how to delete a layer yet.
3: So they just went sod it. That'll do. (laughs) Did they did they were they not impressed with Kama's physique and then decide he needed the shirt? That could be the only thing I think of, because the shirt, the sh-
2: the shirt under the under the the singlet seems very thrown like last minute. It um, almost feels like somebody went, I don't like the way he looks. You know, they're very in on, very big on aesthetic, aren't they? I mean, that's why Keith Lee is currently wearing a sleeveless pullover on Monday Night Raw because okay, of well, reasons. Okay,
3: well, I mean, I I get that. Like, it's one thing if the guy's super skinny and you're trying to hide, hide like a scrawny torso. Karma doesn't... He looks fine. He
2: looks he's thick. A... He looks like he'll kill you. I, I'm less that... intimidated by Karma when he's wearing a T-shirt.
3: Yes, now he's just your dad.
2: <laughs> yeah! Now he's just dad sparring in the garage. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this... I, I, I don't get it, but... Even if dad didn't kill him dead, I think this match did.
2: <laughs> oh. And now we only talked about the match, yeah.
3: Yeah, now... I'm spoiled from years of watching MMA. I'm not the biggest fan, but I've seen enough of it over the years. Like, I have an expectation for what MMA is supposed to look like, granted its different styles, but usually it, it's all like a melting pot of what it ends up being. You know fast-paced takedowns, hard strikes, you know, complex submission attempts. What we have here, we have the first comic goes no a boxing stance. Bread to throw some strikes down, Kama gets a spin kick. Okay, so far so good. We get an arm twist into a leg sweep. Okay, so the problem with this so far is that everything is being done in slow motion. There's no fluidness to it at all. And Kama isn't fighting like a heavyweight. <laughs> he should just be like just punching this guy out and leaving him for dead. That's all he needs to do, really, is just you know, pull a mark hunt, punch a guy and walk away. That should be the whole match. But no, this is... Um, well, first of all, we got a plug for Mental Ambition versus, and Luger versus Bundy Iris and Batonka next week. Fun. So, <laughs> Combs starts throwing these wacky-looking kicks at him. He scoop slams him, which is impressive, because Jumbo is, in fact, Jumbo. Jumbo's single straps are now parting like the Red Sea, so a whole lot of torso is spilling out. We learned a Kid is 100% okay, according to Vince. How can they know that? It's been six minutes. 100% okay.
2: Very confident. There's, there's obviously good medical facility nearby. And they've been able to gauge via percentage how he's doing. He is 100%
3: okay. <laughs> he's ninety percent okay. We found the hangnail.
1: <laughs>
3: so meanwhile, this match is still going as I ponder why.
1: <laughs>
3: Come hook's a front guillotine. Even the heat machine's dead at this point. We get a belly to belly. This is just like an exhibition of moves from a guy who's apparently never seen Ultimate Ultimate. <laughs> he, he he hooks his modified STF with a full chin lock, gets a submission, and within seconds of getting the tap out, that's it. The show's over. We fade the black.
2: Christ! They uh... they buggered this, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs>
3: If only Bundy and Mabel had had be gone one minute, it would
2: have been fine. Thing is, right again, like may, maybe my my plan wouldn't work. Like I'd have had Bundy go ninety seconds. I'd have had this go ninety seconds. <laughs> Most matches, I'd have had I'd have had the tag title match go half an hour, even with a knackered Holly, he'd be fine. I'd have had this go ninety seconds. I'd have had the opening match ninety seconds. Get it, get it
3: done. <laughs> <laughs> this was. Is- this was way too long, way too long. And I have no interest in seeing Kama ever again. And, and I like the guy. but it's just the gimmick sucks. His moveset sucks for what he's supposed to be. The music doesn't fit him at all. The outfit is atrocious. And he had to wrestle Jumbo Beretta for about four minutes before the show went off the air.
2: Now, his opponent of choice, Jumbo Beretta... Now, uh-huh. is, I was confused. Again, it comes back to our, decision, our discussion of, like, why isn't there, like, 300 clones of the one, two, three kid just to bounce around for these guys? But is it uh-huh. sending a statement by having karma batter a big lad?
3: Well, in theory, I guess, yes. But wouldn't you rather have just some scrawny guy, like, flying around while Kana does, like, hip-lock takeovers and these judo throws and all this stuff?
2: I think you either just have a, a scrawny guy get owned and run rings around by karma, or you have karma get in there with a big lad and just clock him. Done. Yeah. Or yeah, it do you know what? Here's a, here's a wild idea, right? How, how, like, get, your, get your laughing gear around this, right? <clears throat> we, mm-hmm. we spin the idea on its head, right? <clears throat> we don't promote karma at all. No promotion of karma, no promos, no vignettes, nothing. But we do promote the WWF debut of legendary beefy boy Jumbo Barretta, right? We promote okay. Jumbo Baretta, multiple-time champion, legend around the Florida area. He arrives in the WWF tonight. He comes out, Jumbo Baretta. He gets theme music, special effects, all this stuff. Here comes his opponent, Karma. And they go, oh, we've heard a bit about this guy, a fighter from the streets. Ding, ding, one punch, Karma knocks him out done
3: whoa what's that all about who's that guy ta-da well that'd have been interesting that'd yeah. been, have been fab <laughs> it was like it was like the goldberg debut yeah that exactly it's, it's
2: the same sort of
3: idea i'm looking up jumbo beretta right now i think this is the only wf match no no i stand corrected at the same tapings a few days later for wrestling challenge He and a guy named Ben Jordan lost to the Eli and Jacob Blue. (laughs) Well done, lads. Good showing by all involved. He he last wrestled in 2013. In the the Malenko Cup Battle Royals, it also included Bob Cook, Prince Iakea, and Barry Horowitz.
2: (laughs) What a killer's rogue that is. eh,
3: The promotion is called DWI. (laughs) <laughs>
2: which is what everybody got on the way home because the bar
3: was free and the wrestling was crap <laughs> Since stands for definitive wrestling international <laughs> somebody didn't look
2: up other initials before they started the company
3: no they were still so proud to call it DWI <laughs> he wrestled Tony Atlas in 2008 there's going got to be a video of this somewhere.
2: Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a video of their DWI on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> be like my Beretta idea, though. You know that? Like, just, just really go to town. Because like... I, now I think about it, they did the same in NXT when... Um, was it Dan Mather? That Simon Miller-looking Mother Hubbard. When he was... <laughs> a week before, they were like, Dan Mather is coming to NXT. Big video for him. He walked out. Here I am. I'm done, mother. Why? Here's why. Uh, he walks out, and then Samoa Joe creeps up behind and puts him in the clutch, chokes him out. We never see him again.
3: And we saw something similar in AEW this year with um, the hyped up Anna J when she was still like a, you know, a plucky up and comer, and her opponent was Abaddon. Oh, shoot. And, yeah, we did, didn't we? And Abaddon ate her alive.
2: Oh, I'll study my ideas and feel so fresh. But I love moment, Abaddon is sensational. Love is she be on Abaddon. Next week? Oh
3: yes. Big fan of she Abaddon. Might eat, she might eat Teekanti.
2: I think she might, you know.
3: <laughs> it's, it's quite possible.
2: Might go wrong. But that was Raw anyway. That was Monday night raw. Uh,
3: that was roller than the than how the steak ended up for. <laughs> what was it's your favourite bit of the week?
2: Sh- Highlight of the week for you.
3: I mean, like not
2: ironically. The, the non-ironic highlight. Of the week. Well, we'll do the ironic highlight of the week and the non-ironic highlight of the week.
3: Either Bigelow's promo or some of those Hakushi spots.
2: There you go. Is there is, is there an ironic the, one?
3: Green screen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's that's the best one. I'm going to try and replicate that on on OBS. So look out for that on a future
3: Cultaholic Twitch stream. <laughs> And when I tweeted that, someone reminded me about the AWA green screen for the Team Challenge series. And I'm just like, well, I mean, one promotion's near death and the other one's not. And, this is, and one that's not near death gives us that. So.
2: But then the AWA basically predicting the Thunderdome.
3: Yes, they did. <laughs> they should give uh, the Ganya family royalties.
2: Oh, I think they should get every penny. Every penny the Thunderdome makes go straight to the Ganya family. Straight to their
3: pockets. <laughs> And see, to the big AWA comeback where Greg Gagne goes over on, uh, I, I don't know, uh, Nick Aldis to win the championship or something. To finally become AWA world champion. Aldis would do it. I bet he would. He's well would.
2: <laughs> and at this point, we will leave you on that bombshell of a note. Of, <laughs> to run the gamut today, we started off talking about the dinner debonair, and then we finished on the debonair Gagne.
3: It's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> but wouldn't it? But would Nick just do the Russell Rock Rumble? (laughs)
2: Do you know what? He probably would. (laughs) Until we catch up again. He is at JRH Writing. I am at Tom Campbell. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. (laughs) I had one ready, but I caught my own breath. (laughs) Easy now. Uh, Love you. Bye. (laughs)